October 17th, 2004. Does that day ring a bell for anyone in here? If you're a Red Sox fan, it might. If you're a Yankees fan, it might as well. (laughs) Down three games to none against the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series, the Red Sox were down to their final inning on that fateful night. October 17, 2004. Even with superstar closer Mariana Rivera on the mound for the Yankees, the Red Sox would not be denied a win that would change the course of history. They scored the tying run in the ninth and eventually won that game in the twelfth inning. The next day, game five went to 14 innings. Game six was decided by just two runs. And in game seven... The Red Sox cut the Yankees loose with a seven-run victory to become the first team ever, the first team ever to come back from being down three to nothing in a championship series. But their job, it wasn't quite done yet. The Red Sox had gone 86 years without a World Series title, and the only people that can, can know what that's like are Cubs fans. Because they're going on 160 years or something without one. I'm sorry, Cubs fans. I apologize. The Red Sox had gone 86 years without a World Series title, and they would not go home empty-handed in 04. In fact, they swept the Cardinals in four games to win the World Series in what analysts would later call the greatest story baseball ever told. If you want to see a great 30 for 30 special, Um, watch Four Nights in October. Incredible special about this moment in October of 2004 that that changed everything for a franchise that was just sort of floundering in perpetual heartbreak. In fact, the Red Sox wouldn't stop there in 2004. They would actually win another championship in 2007. But on that night, on October 17th, 2004, everything changed. It was a defining moment in the Red Sox history. You know, there have been defining moments in, in my life. July 10th, 2004, for instance. That probably doesn't mean anything to you. But that's the day that I married my wife, Stephanie, and that changed everything. It was a defining moment in my life. March 26th, 2009, when my daughter, Addison, was born. When she came into this world kicking and screaming, painting it all pink, it changed everything. It was a defining moment in my life. And on March 25th, just this year, It's going to be another one of those defining moments as we welcome Lily Grace into our lives. Defining moments, moments that change everything. And a defining moment, again, is it's any time in your life when a choice that you make or an incident happens that causes something in your life to radically shift. It's it's a moment in time that defines some aspect of you for the future. We have lots of defining moments in our life, don't we? Maybe you're in middle school right now and you're thinking, well, what are the defining moments in my life? Maybe it was that moment that you made the cheerleading team or or the choir or you, you got to be on the football team. 
maybe you're a little bit older and that defining moment is graduating high school or graduating college or getting married or having children, maybe that defining moment for your life is the death of a loved one or that time that you fought a battle with cancer. Those are defining moments for sure. You know, there are defining moments in our faith as well. The moment that we come to a realization that we're welcomed in the house of God. That we're welcomed in the family of God. And we give our life to Christ. That's a defining moment. There are other defining moments. Those moments when our hearts are strangely warm because we're in the presence of other believers and And we experience God's power in a special way. And it changes who we are. Not just for a moment or for a minute or a weekend. But all the way through the rest of our lives. We all have defining moments in our life. These moments that have the power and the potential to reshape who we are. Reform us. And send us forward into the future. What I find interesting about Sarah's text that she read this morning from Deuteronomy, or from Exodus rather, 19, is that it's one of those defining moments in the life of the Hebrew people. It's one of the defining moments in the life of the Israelites. This is one of those moments that's recalled during the Seder meal, the Passover dinner, when Jewish people remember the ways that God has worked on their behalf throughout history. And the reason this is a defining moment for the people of Israel is because this is the moment that they meet the God who has delivered them from slavery in Egypt. This is the moment they meet the one who heard their cries and came to their rescue. This is the moment when these people go from being nameless and faceless slaves to an empire that's massive in Egypt to a people who are called God's Treasure, God's treasured possession, or a holy nation. Titles that are not only given here in Exodus 19, but also repeated in Deuteronomy 7. This is the moment the Israelites are set apart as God's people, as God's chosen possession, and part, and become part of God's story of redemption and rescue for the whole world. It's a moment that will rewrite their history and change their identity in incredible ways. And what happens here at the foot of Mount Sinai, you know, it changes everything for them, but it also changes everything for us. Because in this moment, God goes from being someone who reigns on high to a God who begins coming down to meet his people where they are. A God who understands what it means to be human. Which is ultimately shown in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God meets us. And that moment when He meets us is a defining moment. It fundamentally changes who we are. And sets us on a different course and on a different Path. Peter puts it this way. He says that you, you and I, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's treasured 
special possession that we might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you and I, we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. You and I at one point, at one point in our life, we were like those Israelites in slavery, in bondage to sin and brokenness in all of its various forms, whether it's alcoholism or addiction to pornography or lying or cheating or stealing or a thousand and one other things. We were enslaved. And God made a way for us to come out of that place of slavery and into a a desert, it feels like, where we wandered looking for something more. We've all been there, haven't we? Either in slavery or wandering and looking for something more than just the desert that's around us. And then God steps into our story in a powerful and redefining way and starts to make ways and paths where there are no ways or paths. God steps in and He changes everything. You see, that's where we get it crossed up all the time. All too often we think that we're the ones who come to God, that somehow we made it out of bondage and captivity on our own, that somehow we made it through the desert of life and arrived at this mountain where now God's going to meet us, but the truth is, is that it's been God calling us to himself all along. It's been God who made the way for us out of slavery and into his presence. God calls us and he bids us to come and be the people that he's called us to be, to leave our past in the past. And start moving forward toward the future that God has for us as his faithful followers. And this morning, today, at the table of grace, as we receive Holy Communion, God bids us to come once again from out of the wildernesses where we've been wandering, from out of our servitude and our slavery and our bondage to sin. God is calling you and He's calling me to a defining moment with Him, a moment that has the power and the potential to change everything, a moment that could be redefining, a moment that could set us on a new path and on a new way. Not because we bring anything special or extraordinary, but simply because God is here this morning to meet with us, ready to call us his treasured possessions, his holy people, ready to give us hope and peace and love so much that it has the power to change the world in which we live. Today, this morning, this moment, could be a defining moment for us in our lives personally and in our life as a church if we'll simply allow God 
to have the space in our lives to begin helping us believe that we truly are his treasured possessions, his holy people, called forth for his good works, sent out to share what we've received with the world around us. Would you join me this morning in page 12 of your United Methodist Hymnal? Christ our Lord invites to his table, calls to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Join me on page 13 at the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift up the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Christ took bread gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. 
And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one in Christ Jesus. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. At this time, I'd like to invite our communion students to come forward this morning. This morning, you are invited to come as the ushers lead. If you need gluten-free sacrament, um, we have that available this morning. Would you come as the ushers lead?
the Israelites on that day at the foot of Mount Sinai be felt in your own life today as you become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Arise and go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Today can be a defining moment. John Wesley believed that Holy Communion was a converting sacrament, meaning that you could come to know Christ as Lord and Savior simply by receiving grace at this table.